This episode of The Fearless Storyteller is brought to you by... Well, this could be sponsored by you. Visit patreon.com forward slash Ethan Freckleton to find the membership option that works for you. Hello, and welcome to the Fearless Storyteller Podcast. I'm your host, Ethan Freckleton. Have you ever noticed how fear stops us from creating and sharing our best work? Join the Fearless Storyteller as we explore the heart and soul of writing stories, songs, and scripts that sell with the people who write them. Each guest has their own unique hero's journey and insights into the intersections between limiting beliefs and success. What's my story? In 2007, I was divorced, in debt, stuck in a soul-sucking job, desperate to have a meaningful, fulfilling life, but not sure where to begin. I made a simple choice at the time, to start honoring my yes and to start speaking my no. Consequences be damned. After all, how could my life possibly get any worse? I began the long path of becoming a professional songwriter finding my fearless voice along the way. Now, I'm living my dream life as a husband, father, and professional storyteller. Laying in a hospital bed after a near-death experience in 2012, Michael Ron decided it was time to open himself up to the beautiful vision of making an impact by writing and publishing books. He since published over 50 titles, enjoying the process enough to describe writing as, quote, the most sacred prayer, unquote. His driving goal has evolved in the past year from the quest for creative freedom and self-expression to a more strategic question, how to remain relevant as a writer for the next 5, 10, 25 years, how to be the writer of the future. What's his answer? Let's find out. Michael Laron, welcome to the Fearless Storyteller podcast. Ethan, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Hey, likewise. I, I hear you're experiencing a little severe weather today. Um, that's exciting. Yeah, just, just a little bit, you know, severe storms and all that. So makes uh makes for a fun internet. <laughs> fun and internet, you know, fun internet. It seems like, sounds like something that would be a good thing, but... Yeah, absolutely. So for people who don't know who you are, like, what would you like to share about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I am the author of over 50 books of science fiction and fantasy, as well as self-help books for writers. I run the popular YouTube channel, Author Level Up. So every Friday I have videos for writers teaching them how to master the craft of writing and put their best foot forward in the marketplace. I'm also a podcaster. I've got three podcasts. Uh, I'm also very active in the indie community. Um, I do a lot of outreach work with the Alliance of Independent Authors, Ally. Mm. It's a nonprofit mm-hmm. organization for writers. And in addition to all that, I've got a beautiful wife, beautiful daughter who's five years old, who'll be six this year and lets me know every single day. <laughs> and I've also got um, an 18-month-old puppy, a giant rabbit, pet rabbit, and... Um, yeah, and I'm also in law school classes. So I have built my writing business and my writing career um, 
and I should also mention I'm, I'm not a full-time writer. I also work at a Fortune 100 insurance company. So I've built my writing career by having to juggle a lot of balls. And in many respects, I learned how to be productive in spite of all the different things that are going on in my life. And so that's, that's kind of me in a nutshell. And wow. uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of all the things I have going on. Right. And so you, you follow under an umbrella that I, I learned last year, this umbrella term DLS does lots of stuff. Uh, it sounds like that applies to you, but I'm guessing behind all of that activity and irons in the fire and commitments and all that, that there's some underlying, you know, why or motivation, something that's making you want do what you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I tell the story all the time about how I was in, I had a near death experience in 2012 and I went out for just a nice dinner with uh, my wife at the time. And, um, we had a great dinner. There was no problems at all. And uh, mm -hmm. later that night, I fell ill with what I thought was food poisoning. And I ended up going to the hospital and the doctors were treating me. And I didn't get out of the hospital for a month. Mm -hmm. So I did, I did have food poisoning, but sparing you the gastrointestinal details, I caught another infection while I was admitted to the hospital. And mm -hmm. it turns out that this infection uh, could have been deadly. And the doctors did not diagnose it until the last minute. Oh dear. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, I was, I was doped up on painkillers and just kind of staring at a wall. And I was thinking to myself, you know, what am I doing with my life? I, mm. I mean, I, I was working in this dead end job as a claims adjuster. It just wasn't, uh, wasn't very much fun. And I, I had always wanted to be a writer, but I was never serious about it. I'd kind of written off and on and it was really nothing that I could be proud of. And while I was on that bed, I just had this beautiful vision of me, becoming a writer mm. and publishing my first book and being just so happy. And I, I, I chalk it up to the morphine hallucinations, but mm. I never forgot that, that feeling, that image. And so I swore that I would become a writer and that I would, you know, God willing me get out of this hospital and, and get better. I would learn everything I could learn and I would bend the universe around myself to become a writer. And yeah. That's what I did. And so when people, people ask me, you know, you fall under this DLS umbrella or you do a lot of stuff. Why do you do all this stuff? And, and the answer I, I always give is, well, I know what it's like to be on the brink of death, mm -hmm. you know, and our time here is limited. And I've been blessed to, to have a vision of what I want to be mm. early enough in my life that I have this quiet urgency. Everything I do, it's, it's, there's always a purpose behind it. And the reason I do it is because I know that, that I could get hit by, by, by bus tomorrow, <laughs> you know, or I could end up in the hospital tomorrow and, and not have anything else to show for what I've, what I've done and the time that I've spent on this planet. And so yeah. I want to leave um, a better life for my family and a better life for the people that follow me and my, my community. Mm. I just want to make some sort of a positive impact in the world. And that's, that's what drives me. Yeah. And so there's a lot of ways I imagine to like make a positive impact in the world. Like what was it about like writing stories that attracted you so much? I've always enjoyed storytelling and I have always been, I, I tend to tell stories anytime I talk to people. Mm. It, it, it's sometimes frustrating, but I just, that's just how I'm wired. Mm -hmm. And 
I started off as a musician. I wanted to be a video game music composer when yeah. I was growing up. And um, I really loved that. It was fun. Uh, I did jazz and improvisation and all that stuff. But I just found out that that, that atmosphere wasn't for me. Mm. And while I was good at it, I wasn't good enough at it to make a career. And so being in the arts and having some sort of way to express myself has always been some, some, in some ways very therapeutic for me mm-hmm. because it, it, it's what gets me excited. It's, it's one of the few things in, in life that I truly wake up in the morning excited about. And it's not just, it's not just the writing. It's also the business part of it. It's the strategy. It's, it's everything that has to do with writing. I just found myself really, really enjoying it. And, um, I just wanted to make sure that I stayed connected with that. Mm. And like, I know for myself, I, if I know like how all the pieces connect and how it's going to end, if I follow a set of steps that vocation or path isn't going to be interesting to me is, is that part of what motivates you with like this whole writing business piece? That's, that's, that's a really insightful comment. I've never, never thought about it like that. I have never, like, I know what I think my career or what I think I would like my career to look like, mm-hmm. but I never really paid that much attention to the actual end game. I've always paid attention to the impact mm-hmm. and the the influence that I can build and exert. I would say, yeah, it, you know, it's kind of like writing a novel. If you know how the novel is going to end and you kind of lose interest in it. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, that's, that's so true. I, yeah. I would say that if, if, if you told me tomorrow, if you held up a crystal ball in front of my face and you said, Michael, you are going to follow X, Y, Z path and you will die on X, Y, Z date. And here will be your legacy. Yeah. I probably would be, I just want to play video games all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like, the creative energy is like is is that's part of the creativity right is exploring and and finding and discovering in the process yeah there's so much there's so much to be said about enjoying the journey and leaning into whatever life throws your way mm-hmm. you know perfect case in point we were just talking before we jumped on the show about how none of us would have imagined in January 1st 2020 that we'd be in the middle of a pandemic today right. in July, you right. know, and sometimes life throws us curveballs and we just have to, we have to be okay with it and lean into it and just continue to do our best. And I think that's, that's a beautiful metaphor for writing well before we got involved in any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's been eight years since your near, near death experience. And what is it now that, that keeps you interested what what interests me the most right now at this point in time i I think if you'd asked me this about a year ago i would have said the ability to produce more content that speaks to me Mm. and the creative freedom that would have been my answer last year or actually march 12th before the whole world shut down my answer now is what keeps me motivated is what it is that I need to do to become the writer of the future. Mm. As, I, as I look at all the things that are happening in the world and how the marketplace is evolving and, and how traditional publishers are starting to act and how m- many writers that I know are having their best months ever 
as a result of self-publishing and having been on, having, having chosen a profession that um, for frankly uh, is a bright spot in the industry right now, given all the things that are going on. I think about that and I see all that right now. Mm. And then I start to think to myself, okay, this is great, but what's next? And as I think about accelerating technology, artificial intelligence, blockchain, um, you know, all the different emerging tech that's out there, mm-hmm. what do I need to do to make sure that I, as a self-published writer, an independent author, remains relevant 5, 10, 20 years from now? Okay. And the things that I think the skills and the mindsets that I think we're going to need, we don't have right now. And I think it's interesting to start exploring that and, and exploring what is it that I need to start learning, you know, as an independent author, what technologies do I need to learn? What, what skills do I need to learn? What, what do I need to be thinking about when I'm, when I'm producing my audiobooks for the future? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all things that gets me really excited because I tend to be a strategic thinker. I tend to live in the future a little bit. Mm-hmm. So sometimes the things that I do are a little bit ahead of my time, but it's, it's fun to live there. And it, it's fun now to see more people start thinking about that. Yeah. And so that's what motivates me just to, as a writer and, and as somebody who wants to have a long career. Yeah. And so I imagine there's more to being like the, a storyteller, a writer of the future than just the technology piece of it. Right. Like sounds like something else shifted between pre-COVID and, and now, right? Yeah, it's, it's not just technology. It's also data, understanding that we as writers sit on an immense amount of data mm-hmm. and learning how to capitalize on that and learning how to understand what our data is and what it means and what we can do with it, I also think is going to be incredibly important. I think we finally rounded the corner of more people starting to think about their, their books as products Mm-hmm. I think we're going to also have to start in the next five to 10 years, start thinking about our books as data points too, mm-hmm. and, and what that means. And it's great. You know, that's, that's really, really cool. And um, also it has, it has to do with just understanding how, how the, the preferences of readers are going to change. Mm-hmm. I was just uh, about an hour ago before we chatted, I was just looking at um, uh, the company that does the parent company of TikTok. They, yeah. re- they released a app in China that is all, it's an audiobook app, but it's, it's all the books are read by an AI and the okay. AI sounds surprisingly lifelike. Right. And that's really interesting when you start thinking about artificial intelligence, AI, you know, not ever needing a narrator to, to narrate your audiobooks, you know, and then you start thinking about, well, what would, what would that sound like? What if I could get my voice mm-hmm. into an AI? Mm-hmm. You know, so things like that, I mean, there's just going to be so many great opportunities to make income in the future. Mm-hmm. It reminds me a lot of, um, of like 1999, 2000, when the internet was still a baby and, you know, Goog- people really didn't understand what Google was. And, you know, there's yeah. so many, there's so many technologies and companies that are going to be starting now that no one knows of that in 10 years will just be a part of our everyday language, kind of like Google. Yeah. And I want to, I want to know what that is. I want to, that excites me endlessly <laughs> to know uh, to know what that landscape is going to look like because that in many respects is how we're going to be able to continue our careers. Mm-hmm. I, I think about you know, that that's like how we 
stay relevant to audiences and how we continue to monetize our work and our ideas and thinking more broadly than I am a writer of books, right? Yep. Yeah. And so how do you think of yourself? Like, how do you label yourself or do you? Yeah, I label myself as a content creator. You know, I, I, I say that I'm a writer and that's mainly because everyone listening to this is probably a writer, but I consider myself to be a content creator because I have not just books. I also have YouTube videos. I have podcasts. I do these podcast interviews with people like you. And mm-hmm. so everything that I do in some respects is content creation. And I think in the future, it, it doesn't really matter what it is that you're doing. Many of the skill sets and the things that you learn will transfer. Mm-hmm. So I think we think of ourselves as writers today, but the, the technologies in the future, we may, the book may not be our primary source of income. And that's kind of hard to, to wrap your head around, right? Mm-hmm. But I think we have to start thinking about that. Who, who knows what it will look like though? Yeah. 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 And do you find any of the themes of what you want to talk about or write about shifting? Um, you know, I, for, for my fiction, not so much. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that the things that I've, I've written about, which is underdogs and uh, characters that maybe come from a different walk of life. Mm -hmm. I I think that hasn't changed to be honest with you. Um, but my nonfiction has focused from being more craft focused to starting to be more strategic and thinking in terms of big picture and figuring out what, you know, what your next moves are going to be as a writer, that sort of thing. I think that that has shifted for me. Mm. And that's just been a personal shift for me. I don't yet know how it will resonate with my audience though. Right. So it's kind of an interesting, it's a weird dynamic, right? Because you, you, you kind of want to, you kind of want to push toward the future, but at the same time, you have to recognize that people are kind of, people are on different, different areas of the change curve, yeah. so to speak. And so that, that, that message doesn't always resonate with everybody. So it's, it's this weird, weird balancing act I found. Well, there's that piece of it. And then there's some people are aspiring storytellers and some are mid career and, yeah and the struggle and the mindset, you know, issues that come up are, are different and the challenges, right? Like, so we've kind of glossed over, you've talked about it. Like I saw you present at Vegas um, but you've written over 50 books while doing all this stuff. And for a lot of people, writing a book is a challenge. It's a challenge. Yeah, right? that's and the only so, thing they can think about. And so what are those, for the aspiring people, like, because you're several years ahead of the challenges you were at then, but what was the fundamental first hurdles you had to, like, tackle or leap over to, to really start that journey of becoming and actualizing writing a book? Yeah. The first journey is is a journey of production. So one of the first things that I tried to figure out for myself when I was a new writer is, okay, I've written my first book or I'm, I'm writing my first book. And in many respects, it is an emotional roller coaster because you don't know like, like you've never been through the process before. Yeah. So if you've never been through a process and you don't know how it's going to end, which is kind of funny because we were just talking about this, but in terms of writing your first book, it can be really scary mm-hmm. because you don't know one, if you're going to be able to finish it two, yeah. if you're going to be able to edit it into something that 
people will want to buy and three, whether people will buy it at all Mm -hmm. and not having an understanding of that path. That's really, really scary to a lot of people. Um, Fear is, is absolutely real. And so my first hurdle was just trying to get all the way through the process at least once so that then I could start the second process of my second book and have an understanding and, and just feel a little bit more confident about what it is that I, I need to do, you know, cause you, you can, you can listen to podcasts and you can, you can read blogs and you can talk to people all day long, but until you actually do it, mm-hmm. you don't really internalize it. Right. So that's what I often tell first time writers is you just got to focus on getting that first book out. Mm-hmm. If it takes you a year, that's okay. You know, if it, if it takes you longer, that's okay. Learn how to do it better and faster the next time. Yeah. You know, cause my first book took me 18 months now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can write, I can write a book in less than 30 days if I really wanted to. And so, but, but you don't get to that, you don't get to that point or, or to that knowledge set until you've been through it a few times. And yeah. so just understanding the process and, and going through it, I think is so important because otherwise all the knowledge and, and things that you hear, it won't make sense. You won't be able to relate to it. Yeah. Or the other pitfall or peril of that can be, Hey, I'm consuming this fire hose of knowledge. And a lot of it doesn't apply to that first journey you mentioned of production. And so exactly. And yeah. And that it, you're absolutely right. And there could be a lot of like overwhelm or anxiety of like, Oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be doing all these other things too. Right. And yeah, I got to so, market a book and learn yeah. how to format and learn, how, you know, I mean, there's, there's, there's no shortage of things that you have to learn how to do. Right. That's, but you, but I imagine you don't have to learn them all at the same time. Absolutely not. In fact, in, in fact, the most important thing that you can do when you're first starting off is learn how to write. Hmm. It's the most important thing that, and, you know, building a website, you know, getting a website up and, and, and starting to build the bones of your author platform. Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe, maybe a a close third, or maybe this is the first step I, depending on how you look at it is just try to avoid getting scammed. (laughs) That's Uh probably another, another important thing. Uh, first time writers are, are, they get preyed on, you know, because there are a lot of uh, unscrupulous service providers out there that they know that we have dreams and they know that we don't know what the market looks like. Yeah. And so they, they take advantage of that. Yeah. So, and perhaps we, you know, think it's going to be hard. And so we want, there's a natural desire to maybe outsource the things that sound scary. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's just preying on our deepest fears. Yeah. And you have to be, be careful and cognizant of that as you walk the path as well. Yeah. And I think you have to it, taste success and know that you are able to learn a new skill and do it. And, and, you know, there's, there's something freeing about that. I imagine like what happened for you after you like learned how to write and you, and you got past that first journey. Yeah. I love that you said the word taste success Mm -hmm. and, and the way I would define that is little successes. It's not you publish your first book and then you become a millionaire. That was my, that was my expectation when I published my first book. I mean, if you don't have that, that, that expectation, you know, it's, it's kind of weird, but 
little little successes I think are so important in, in celebrating those small wins mm-hmm. when you do finish your first book and when you do publish your first book, I think is really important. And it's important to check your expectations too. You, you can't compare yourself to John Grisham or you know, some author that's published a lot of books and is making a living. You, you really only can compare yourself to you. And that's really hard to do. Mm-hmm. I, I, I say that now and I make it sound easy. It was not easy for me when I started because I didn't understand what the dynamics were. I didn't know how hard I would have to work. And so just know that you're, for, for, in, your, in your early years, mm. for every success you have, you're going to have a lot more failures. Yeah. And like, for example, I finished my first book my first year, right? And then I created this website, but it was awful. Like mm-hmm. in every sense of the word, just a complete failure. <laughs> had no understanding of what website should actually look like. Mm-hmm. And then I, I tried to market my first book, complete disaster, because I went to all the wrong readers. I had no idea what the concept or the genre of the book was. So I, I couldn't really marking, market it meaningfully. Mm-hmm. And just, I, you know, I could give you a checklist of all the things I did wrong my first year, but there was, there were some successes and mm. those little successes, you know, I started my YouTube channel my first year of writing. Yeah. I didn't think anything would come of it, but now it's probably one of the most successful things I ever did. Mm. So just learn to look for the successes and the failures and just calibrate, just calibrate, do more of what, what worked, do, do less of what didn't work and just right. keep experimenting. Right. Or you might just have hypotheses about how things work and, you know, you check your assumptions, right? And exactly. The only way to do that is to get data, right? Which comes back to my earlier points, you know, yeah. how do we, how do we gather data as writers? Because I, what I, one thing I found, and this is true of aspiring writers, just as it's true of writers who are more successful is that writers and data don't always mix because mm-hmm. we're, we're word people. <laughs> we, we, don't get, we don't get hired to do Excel spreadsheets and all these things. So some of us are really good at it. But most of us, I think, generally speaking, I don't think anyone would disagree that uh, that's, that's, that's not what we get up and that's not what keeps us yeah, motivated. It's, it's in the just morning, like, I'm you know? going to write this, this story. You, you show me what works, right? It, exactly. You know, and so you've been doing this journey a while. Are there like that, that concept of show me what works, right? There, there are common elements between people's journeys where they have success, experience success. And there are things that are, I've noticed unique to each person's journey. Like, like the thing that's going to work for your books may be different than the thing that's going to work for my books as far as moving the needle. Right. Well said. However I define success and, like, so what are you noticing is like common and what's unique to your journey? Yeah, I, I, that's, a, that's a, such a great question. No one's ever asked me that before. Um, I would say the most common element to most of the writers that I know personally who are doing very well mm-hmm. is that they're persistent. Very, very few of them that I know of um, just, walked, just walked into this and published a book or started a podcast or a YouTube channel and became super successful. It just, right. this doesn't work that way. Nine times out of 10. And mm. they were persistent and they kept experimenting. Mm. And no matter what it is that they did, hold on one second. I'm sorry. Yeah, no worries. Sorry about that. My daughter was calling me. So yeah. They, yeah. they were, they were, they were persistent and they also uh, experimented. So no matter what, 
no, they always tried new things, even if, even if it didn't quite work out. They, they figured out what it was that didn't work and learned from it. And that's honestly it. Those are the two common, two common things. This, this profession can be extraordinarily brutal. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I don't know very many professions where you sit down in a chair for dozens of hours at a time. Well, I mean, I have time, but for dozens of hours collectively, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you sit down and you write something that you have no idea if someone's going to buy it and you spend the money and you spend the time and you spend the effort and the blood, sweat, and the tears to Mm -hmm. get the book up on the market only for almost no one to buy it. And then to sit down and do it again repeatedly until, until finally you get some sort of a break. Yeah. I don't know of any other profession like that. Yeah. Right? And that takes an extraordinary amount of, of courage and, and bravery and, and in some respects, a little bit of luck, but you just got to work hard, you know, and, yeah. and you'll eventually get there, but you have to improve your knowledge base. You can't just keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting that you'll win. You've got to actually take, take some lessons and be able to look for the, look for the data. Mm-hmm. And so probably doing it yourself and not having teachers and mentors and community is probably not a formula for, for getting very far. Well, it's, it's a mixture of both. You know, I, I think there's something to be said about learning from learning from other people's mistakes. Mm-hmm. Now, I certainly have learned a lot from other writers who have told me about things that they didn't, you know, things that, that they did that failed and maybe I did them, maybe I didn't, but at least I had an understanding of what I was getting myself into, you know? Um, but I also think that there are some things that you, there are some things that you're never going to learn until you actually do them. So writing a novel is a great example of that. Finding your voice in terms mm-hmm. of marketing, doing podcast interviews. You're never going to learn how to become really good at it until you do it. And you have to learn what makes, what make, what, what is the value that you add right. that makes you different from other guests. And if you, if you're just doing your first podcast interview to promote one of your books, you're not going to, you're probably not going to do a very good job at it the first time around. Yeah, And yeah. so to answer the second part of your question of what's been unique to my journey, I would say something that I've always done from the very beginning that has resonated with people in my community, uh, the people that read my books, the people that follow me on YouTube every week, uh, the people that listen to my podcasts, is the fact that I said at the very beginning that I'm not going to be somebody that holds myself out as a writing guru. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there's a lot of, there's a, there's a, there are a lot of people out there that do that and they do a really good job, you know, but I've always said, you know, I, I wrote my first book that didn't really do very well. So I can't really definitively sit here and tell you how to write a you know, how to write a novel, right. right? Or, or, or how to do this or that. But, but, but what I said is that instead I'm going to be somebody that learns transparently in public. So I'm going to share what it is that I learn and how I learn it. And maybe there's something that you can learn from, from where I am at my particular point in my journey. And when I do become more successful far down the road, I can point to content and books that were almost like breadcrumbs mm-hmm. in my journey mm-hmm. so that people can, can, can not just look at me and say, oh, well, he, he's successful. He, he, he published that book. And of course, people, you know, of course people bought it. 
Yeah. But they can say, okay, well, no, here's a series of books that he wrote. Here are YouTube videos that he did. Here are podcast episodes that he did. And you can listen to those and you can make your own informed decision on what works for you and what doesn't. So um, in many respects, I like, to, I like to say that I'm a public experimenter. Mm. You know, I just, I just, one of the ways that I work is I just throw things at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. And a lot of times it doesn't work, but a lot of times it does. And when it does, I try to share what I learned with my audience and maybe they can learn something from it. Yeah, and that's that's kind of a shift, and it's one of the things that drew me to writing books and being in this community. Um, and you you might be excited to learn that my first creative endeavor as an adult with craft and intention and community and all that was actually the songwriting and music world. Cool. And um, this mindset around sharing and learning transparently in public is kind of the glue that's created this indie author community, right? That we're dispelling or dispensing with this myth of you just walk in and with your first thing and you just, everything you do is a success. Like there's a genius factor or something. And that makes it, well, yeah, I wish too. But on the other hand, it's freeing and empowering because it means, Hey, I can do it, right? Like it doesn't mean that there's some gatekeeper who's going to recognize my genius. It's like, no, I can learn and follow these breadcrumbs of other people's success and it becomes accessible to me to follow my dreams. Yeah, it does. And, and that comes with a dark side too, though, mm. right? In that you can follow all those breadcrumbs, but if it still doesn't work for you, yeah, <laughs> you feel terrible. I mean, that, that's yeah. a great part about, about this. It's, it's like it's comparison. That, I just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you, you have complete freedom to do whatever you want. You know, yeah. I wrote, I wrote a book when one of my first books I wrote was a book about uh, a group of anthropic uh, anthropomorphic vegetables, vegetable terrorists who were trying <laughs> to take down an empire of, of civilized processed foods. <laughs> yeah. Now, now a traditional publisher would have laughed me out of the room if I tried to submit a, a proposal to write a book like that or, or a query, but I, I could write that book. But at the same time, I have to understand that I, if it doesn't succeed, that's all on me, mm -hmm. you know? So, so it's, it's, it's one of those great, it's one of those great things, but it's also one of those things where sometimes people can get unrealistic expectations is that yeah. if you're, if you're successful, it's because you earn that success. And mm -hmm. if you're, if you're not successful, you know, it's because maybe you've made some decisions that, that don't get you to that point and you just have to keep learning, yeah. you know, and, and so much of it is timing. So much of it is luck. So much of it is, is being in the right place at the right time, writing the right book that gets in the right, in front of the right readers, mm -hmm. um, having business acumen to kind of know, how to make some data-driven decisions on what you should do with your marketing. And, and I just, my message to people is, is just don't beat yourself up mm. if you're not as successful as you want to be, because it takes a lot of time. You know, I, I've been doing this for eight years and I'm still not a full-time writer yet. So, you know, I, I like to think that a, a lot of that my, my experience or, or the career that I have built is probably more in line with most people's because I didn't get successful right out of the gate. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of the things we, we all do. It's like this bias, right? Like if there are seven people we know who are all writers and one of them's 
way more successful than the others and we start in that endeavor right we're going to assume by bias that we can be that one person and not the other true. six right yeah it's absolutely true and and it's easy it's easy to feel that way because of social media mm-hmm. and because of the fact that you know right wrong or indifferent our community amplifies the people that are the most successful. Mm-hmm. And the first thing we do is we look at their breadcrumbs and we try to say, okay, I'm going to try to do that. I'm going to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's that survivorship bias mm-hmm. that, that, that you mentioned, <laughs> you know, it, it's everybody has a different path and you just have to know that maybe your path is going to take less or long, you know, less time or more time than some people, but your path is your own and learning to enjoy it and learning to appreciate it for what it is and learning the lessons that come your way, I think is, it, it's ultimately what will make you happy and what will help you avoid burnout. Mm. Because it's really easy to walk this path for a couple of years, not see any success, and then just fizzle out. Right. And if we redefine success, then maybe we have a chance. Right. Like, yeah. I think I would have quit, like, if I had set a, set a certain sales target and said, okay, if I don't hit this, that's it. Right. Yeah. Well, so I have it. Yeah, yeah, I have this, um, you know, different line of thought and questioning because, you know, in that spirit of not glossing over those small victories, um, thing I want to know is, what's the scariest thing you ever wrote down on a manuscript? Scariest thing I ever wrote down. Like, you know, well, I I have a book. It's called Be a Writing Machine. Mm. And um, the book is, it's kind of my manifesto for eliminating writer's block it's, mm-hmm. it's, and how to be prolific and how to produce books, how to produce higher quality books faster. Okay. And part of writing that book, you know, when I wrote this book, I actually, it was, it was, I didn't write it with any intention to sell it. I just, I wanted to write it at the time because I had had a revelation in, in my life. So at, around this time, it was right around, I think it was um, New Year's of 2018. It was right, actually, right before uh, I went to Vegas, 2018. Yeah. Vegas, it, was, it would have been 2017. Um, I, I got this idea to try to find my biological father. Mm. And I had this idea and I, I wanted to try to reach out to him. Uh, he divorced my mom when I was like one. Mm-hmm. So I never knew him. But I, I just got this sense, you know, now that I was a dad, I had a, a newborn, I wanted to try to connect with him and just try to understand, you know, why, why he wasn't in my life. And I got this idea to, to try to look for him on Facebook. Right. And I found him within like five minutes. Hmm. And I reached out to him and said, hey, I'm, I'm your son. I would like to just connect with you. And he never responded hmm. to what I had to say. Mm-hmm. And so then I got to learn more about his life through his Facebook page, right? Cause it was all public. And I, I had a really hard time coping with that. I, mm-hmm. I wasn't myself for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I didn't know how to wrestle with it. And what ultimately got me out of feeling that way was my writing. Mm-hmm. And it was right around that time, you know, I, I published a, a number of books at this point, but it was right around this time where I started to kind of realize, okay, this is the spiritual reason why I'm doing all this. Mm. Writing for me is almost as sacred as prayer. It's, mm. it's when you show up to the page, you're, you're having a dialogue with yourself. And 
debt is my coping mechanism for just about everything that goes wrong in the world. You know, mm-hmm. the world could be burning around me. I'm just going to write because that's how I can cope. And yeah. I wanted to write a book to just try to get that down. And so I ended up writing this book, Be a Writing Machine. And I just figured, you know, no one's going to buy it. It's not going to be, <laughs> not going to be anything big, but it'll, it'll be something I can have in my portfolio and I can be proud of it because I, I wrote my truth to power. And, and in that book, I, I talked about everything I just told you and how I learned to turn to writing in some of my darkest times. Mm. And that was extraordinarily difficult to write, you know, because I, I was in a way kind of putting myself out there. Yeah. It's a, a deeply personal story and I didn't know if, if people would resonate with it. And it turns out that they did. And, and, and it quickly became one of my better selling books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the reason for that was because I, I tried the best to the best of my ability uh, to try to speak my truth to power and, and, and talk about, talk about the challenges that I was having in a very personal way. And right. that's something that has resonated with readers for me. And it was very scary to write. To, mm. to answer your question, but mm-hmm. I think it was something that helped me take my career to the next level. Yeah, and thank you for sharing that. And I, one of the hardest lessons and ones that has taken me the longest to learn, and when I kind of figured it out, it was you know, one of those aha moments, but is our story, like our unique story, that story you're sharing and that you put into your book, right? That vulnerability and transmuting that darkness into your meaning and purpose, right? Um, that's the emotional relevance. And, and without that, nobody cares about what you have to say. Yeah. If you're not relevant to them first, uh, like some deeply personal, you know, way. Well, it's uh, the, the Simon Sinek quote. I, I forget exactly how he said it, but no one cares about what you do until they understand why you do it. Yeah. And I, with this book, Be a Writing Machine, and if anyone's interested, you can find it at offthelevelup.com slash machine. Mm-hmm. Um, what I found was that I didn't realize that I was doing this at the time, but I was actually writing down the emotional and spiritual reason why I'm a writer. Hmm. And I think if you want to do this for a long period of time, meaning more than a few years, but for say a few decades, mm-hmm. you've got to understand that why, and you've mm-hmm. got to understand that spiritual, that spiritual and emotional part. I mean, you asked me in the very beginning of this interview, what motivates you? Well, you have to be able to answer that question. You know, I'm, I'm not somebody that likes to be terribly prescriptive. You know, I think everybody has their own path. Yeah. But one thing I do think, and as I look at all of my mentors, who have been doing this for a very long time, they understand their why. They're connected with it. And, and when they lose connection with it, mm-hmm. they've got to go find it. Yeah. So the sooner you can connect with that purpose and really, truly, definitively be able to tell someone why you're actually choosing to do this, because this is not uh, an easy life that anybody would choose to do, mm-hmm. then I think you can stay balanced and it can anchor you even in the hard times when it feels like nothing is going your way. Yeah. Which could be further down the road when you're more successful. You know, these, these sorts of feelings, you don't just become successful and then everything's all kumbaya and you ride off into the sunset. The, the challenges and the problems you face always scale up in proportion to where you are in your career. Mm. And so having that connection, I think is vitally important. Mm. Yeah. It sounds like the keywords that come to mind for me are like, alignment 
and, yep. and, and purpose. Right. And, and sometimes like when I started with my songwriting journey and I see this happen with authors too, you start out without really being clear about that. And you're kind of exploring and uncovering that as you go. And that can be one of the reasons why you're struggling when, once you get to that mid career place, right. Is because actually there's not really a solid foundation under underneath. Right. Or there's some unacknowledged need that we're not giving ourselves. Right. Yeah. It's, it's the, the spirit of experimentation for experimentation's sake. You know, I, I wrote a lot of books that were, if you look at them like in hindsight, they were all kind of like not, there was not real, a real connection between them. So like mm. I would write, like I wrote interactive fiction novels as my first novels. So mm. like choose your own adventures for adults. Mm-hmm. And then I wrote a poetry collection and then I wrote a short story collection. And then I wrote my book about the terrorist vegetables. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I wrote a nonfiction book for writers. And if you look at all of those things, they don't really make a whole lot of sense or they didn't make a whole lot of sense at the time. And I think, that something that is really, really important to the, the authors who kind of want to walk that path where they're, they just want to experiment mm-hmm. and they just want to write what they feel and then figure out along the way what it is that truly motivates them to write. Yeah. I've always said, find a way down the road when you're, when you're further along and you've got more books under your belt, find a way to connect those dots. Right. So mm-hmm. one of the, so when I think about my first year of publishing, it was in many ways a microcosm of everything that I would go on to do. So I wrote an interactive fiction series, which in many ways was ahead of its time. Um, but it taught me craft really quickly and it taught me how to produce books very quickly and how to, how to, how to be a better formatter mm-hmm. of, of my eBooks and how to produce higher quality products. And I think about my poetry collections and while they in themselves haven't sold very many copies, I wrote a book called Indie Poet Rockstar that talked about how self-publishing would, would come to the poetry movement and how mm-hmm. poets could benefit from that. And that book was ahead of its time too. I wrote that book back in 2015. Now we're starting to see poets jump into self-publishing right. and, and really benefit from it. And I think about, okay, that book was maybe ahead of its time, but I was able to see some trends and move toward them. And I think about my nonfiction for writers and how my very first nonfiction for writers book kind of fell flat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was okay because I just continued doing it. So when I think back and connect the dots, when I introduce myself to people, I say I am the author of over 50 books of science fiction and fantasy and self-help for writers. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that I would have said that that's what I wanted to do back in 2014. So so much of experimentation is, is all about marketing, knowing how to spin it, right? So mm-hmm. that when people do see all of the, the different things that you do, one, you give them clear choices on what it is that they want to do. What, mm-hmm. is, what is it? Why do they engage with you? And what is it that they should be clicking on, right? So how do you create those clear choices? And then two, how do you weave all of those, choice, all of those choices into a narrative mm-hmm. that explains who you are and what your brand is and why they should care. Yeah. How much of that did you provide and how much of that came from your readers over time, right? Like figuring out who was buying it or why they cared about 50, 50. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, I had, I kind of had my own evolutionary journey about what I thought I wanted to be and what I thought my brand was. Mm. And then 
a reader would email me and say, oh, well, your books are blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> I never thought about it like that, but wait a minute. I think you're right. Yeah. So yeah. it's just funny. Readers are funny like that. They, they will tell you. A lot of times readers will tell you what the genre of your book is, mm-hmm. where you might think your book is X and X, but readers say, oh, no, it's like this and this and this. And I've just learned to listen to that. Yeah. And, you know, that's how you, that's how you calibrate your message. To, to my earlier point of how you weave that narrative along. Right. And I, I don't think that's important. Yeah. I don't think on your first book, you should expect to have good copy or no, <laughs> those things. Right. No. You know, and, and, and some people will, you know, it, everybody brings their own level yeah. of experience to this. That's one of the great things about being an author. I mean, you, you and I, we have a music background, mm. so we understand the importance of sitting down in a chair and practicing. Yeah. And yeah, I learned, I learned about craft before I started writing. Exactly. Books. Yeah. It, it, it was more muscle memory than anything else. Like, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe you never read a book to um, study it, you know, mm-hmm. deeply, but you do intrinsically understand what it means to hone your craft mm-hmm. just by virtue of being able to play a musical instrument. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody has their different skill sets that they bring, but just try not to be too hard on yourself. Just know that, you know, you're going to have skills that other writers won't have and vice versa. And I've always thought that this, this writing journey is just this big, ugly, beautiful mess. You know, when you look at it in the giant perspective of things, mm-hmm. so much of what you do may not ever amount to anything, but it's, it's not really about that. It's, a, it's about the journey. It's about self-exploration and learning who you are and making a difference in people's lives through the content that you create. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I just, I I think that's so, it's just so vital and it's really easy to forget that. But I, I I try never to forget it because when I get emails from people that say, Hey, I read your, I read your books or I heard you in Vegas and it made a, it made a difference in helping me finish my first book. Mm -hmm. Uh, To me, that's what this is all about. Yeah. And I like it. I assume like, some people get overwhelmed with the idea of hearing from their readers or having to correspond. I assume that's not true for you. No, no. I, I, I love hearing from my readers. And um, if anyone emails me, I, I always make it a priority. You know, if, if, if I have a hundred emails in my inbox and one of them is from a reader, that mm. is always the email that gets responded to first yeah. because re- readers are they're, they're the reason we have a career. Mm-hmm. They choose to spend their money with you. And if they want to email you to tell you how your book changed their life or, or did something positive for them, mm-hmm. that's the first person I want to talk to. I, a lot of times my emails are just, thank you so much. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate this, you know, but there's just something to be said about responding to your readers because uh, a lot of times you'd be surprised how many times I respond to people usually within a few hours and they're shocked. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're like, wait, I can't believe you've responded to me. This is, this is weird, you know? Um, but treat your readers right because if you want to have a career that they're going to treat you right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And well, so for people who want to learn more about you, how can they do that? Yes. So I'm going to give three calls to action, which is breaking every marketing rule in the book. <laughs> because, but, because only they only follow one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to have one clear call to action. Now I'm yeah, going to give yeah. you three. <laughs> all right, here we go. So the first is if you want to know all the things I'm doing in terms of my YouTube channel, my podcasts, uh, the books that I have for writers, visit me at authorlevelup.com. 
That mm-hmm. is my home base where you can find everything that I do. Second thing is um, I talked about my book, Be a Writing Machine. And mm-hmm. I imagine that many of you listening would be interested in that. Mm-hmm. You can find that at authorlevelup.com slash machine. It's available in ebook, uh, paperback, and audio. And then the third thing I wanted to promote is that I have a new book that's coming out. And uh, we talked about aspiring writers at the beginning of our call. And this book is for aspiring writers. It's called 150 Self-Publishing Questions Answered. Uh It's a guide to writing, publishing, and book marketing. And I wrote that book with the Alliance of Independent Authors, which is a nonprofit organization for writers. Um, And it's a it just it answers all of the most common, most burning self-publishing questions from the moment you decide to pick up the pen and be a writer to the moment that you publish your book and need to market it. And it's a, a engaging question and answer format. So very clear and concise, short chapters to help you publish with confidence and gain clarity. And, Fantastic. Um, I actually narrated the audiobook for that. So uh, that's coming out later this month. Okay. And you can find that at authorlevelup.com slash 150 to get on my mailing list to get notifications when it comes okay. out. And is that the number 150 or yep, the spelled one, out? Yep, 150. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yep, 150. Authorlevelup.com slash 150. Fantastic. And I'll include links in the show notes for people. Um, well, Michael, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you, Ethan. It's been my pleasure. And uh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Fearless Storyteller. As a reminder, any and all links can be found in the show notes. And if you're enjoying this podcast, will you please consider leaving a review? By doing so, you'll be helping new listeners discover The Fearless Storyteller podcast.